This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Booyah! And welcome everybody to this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen. And before we get started today, I want to remind you all to please share this episode. Uh, Click the like button. Subscribe wherever you're watching or wherever you're listening. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Also, you can look in the uh, description of this episode wherever you're watching or listening, and you'll find some links that you can click into if you would like to support the work that I am doing. And today, I'm speaking with a husband and wife team, a podcast team. You guys also seem to be like your best friends. You guys just have this this flow <laughs> When you guys are doing your podcast, this is Dave and Liz, and they are the authors of the Memoirs of a Modern Marriage podcast. How are you two doing today? We're good, thank you. Doing pretty well. How about yourself? You know, I'm I'm okay, but man, you guys are the cause of my current bout of homesickness. <laughs> just <laughs> just just knowing that you two are there in Akron, and me being born in Akron, it just makes me, yeah, it just makes me want to go home. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. You should come <laughs> by. You know, I have a guitar over here. I you saw know. that, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you, the next time I come home, now my mother is living in Springfield Township, so that'll probably be my little home base next time I come home. But uh, that's right next door to Akron, so you can plan on having a face-to-face visit with me. I'd love oh, to meet you guys. You are more than welcome. Yeah. My uh, dad and stepmom actually uh, live in Springfield, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice little place. We uh, we used to kick mm-hmm. their asses in football back in the back in the day. But uh, other than that, <laughs> Springfield is a nice place. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I have to I have to uh, I have a bone to pick with you, Dave. Um, oh yeah, man. You said um, you said that I uh, was born in Akron on one of your podcast episodes, and that part is right. But you said I moved to Barberton. I s- now, yes, that now. was right after we first started talking, and uh, <laughs> we we brought up Barber Tucky. Barber Tucky, uh, that's right. I will correct that. <laughs> I will correct that. <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> there you go, corrected. No, um, you know, you guys, I, I like that you guys are podcasting. Let me start off by asking you guys, uh, what got you into podcasting? Uh, actually, it was just something we've talked about in passing. Um, Liz and I, we do a fair bit of uh we have a podcast episode called uh, Burn Unit. I'm sure you've seen it yeah. or heard it. Um, that's actually kind of how it started was um, we will watch movies, even if we like them, and mm. we'll burn the hell out of them. Yeah. Oh. Which means, like, basically we just <laughs> rip them apart. We mock the language, you know, like what they're saying. We give them funny voices, and we just make fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know... It's uh, it's not so much that we burn movies on our podcast, but, you know, that kind of led into, hey, we're kind of funny. Yeah. You know, at it, least meh. It was kind of like one of those stoner, <laughs> like, oh, hey, we should, like, get high and watch movies and, like, record ourselves making fun of it. <laughs> and that just kind of led into us having conversations. You yeah. Know? And isn't that what a good podcast is all about? A good po- podcast is a good conversation. You know, there's some people who do the, um, you know, the storytelling and the, you know, the storyline type of thing. But for me, the best kind of podcast is a podcast that has a good conversation. People telling good stories. 
Yeah, and we're chock full of them. And yeah. we never go into an episode knowing what we're going to talk about. We've found that if we do kind of haven't, like, oh, let's talk about this, and we'll start recording it, and the flow just isn't there, so we'll stop it and, like, let's just wing it. So yeah. that's yeah. what we do. Well, A lot of times we'll go back two or three different times just mm-hmm. to re-record an episode if we don't like the flow of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, you guys are more professional than me because even if I think the flow stinks, I still put it out. <laughs> I, I want mine to be as organic as possible. I, I don't plan mine either. There's no script. Um, I do very little background research on my guests. I want to get to know them on the mic and, and behind the mm-hmm. camera. Um, it's, uh, it's more fun that way. I like the spontaneous thing. I like going into it with a little element of fear because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It puts a little spice yeah. into the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, that's also pretty uh, successful, too. I mean, mm-hmm. because because you never know what you're going to get. Exactly. You know, I guess would be. Yeah, it's it's kind of, that's the surprise element. Well, yeah, and I want to be a surprise. I guess I'm a little selfish because I want to be entertained as well. I want to be surprised as well. Of course, that's good for my, my listeners and my viewers, but I want that experience of being surprised, uh, overwhelmed, disappointed, uh, satisfied. I want all of that as well. I'm looking for that stimulus. So, oh yeah. Now let me let me ask you, Liz. Um, I think it was on the 9th of May you guys released an episode, the white van episode, and you mm-hmm. told a story that would probably send chills down the spine of anybody who listens to it. Now, I want to tell my viewers and listeners to check Mm -hmm. out that episode. I want them to just check out your podcast, period, because I love what you guys are doing. And people can find your podcast on Spotify. Uh, You guys have a Patreon group where people can get uh, early releases as well as video releases. Uh, Where else can they go to find you guys? Uh, We're also on Stitcher Stitcher. and uh, Google Podcast. And Google Podcast. Yeah, and we also, we release every episode on Facebook as well, um, oh, on our okay. Facebook group. Okay, yeah. So, there's there's a wide variety of places to check us out at. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. And again, people, they're called Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. That's the name of the podcast. But Liz, your story, how, how okay, you told your story on the podcast, and I don't want you to, you don't have to repeat the whole story here, but can you tell me a, com, uh, a compressed version of what happened okay. to you. And then afterwards, I want to ask you, what has that experience done to you? <laughs> uh, so short version, I was on my way home for lunch one day from work. Uh, I way that I go two times a day, every day, because it's the only way to and from. And a car, a, a white van pulled in behind me. And I noticed it because I tend to kind of pay attention to my surroundings. Um, and he just kept staying behind me, followed me home. I got home, let the dogs out. We came back in the house and the guy from the van is standing at my front door, knocking on the door uh, for probably about 15, 20 minutes, would not leave. 15 um, or 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's a long time to be afraid. <laughs> yeah. And he had on like a fake plumber t-shirt it just said plumber and had like a plunger and a wrench and he had a tool belt with a hammer a brand new tool belt was not broken in had a hammer and I could see into the van the back of the van was empty and there was like a 
fence between the front seat and the back, which I know is pretty common with work vans yeah. because of tools. Yeah. But I could see that there was nothing back there. And at the time I worked for a plumbing company, so I know the van has to be marked with your license number for doing business in the state of right, Ohio. Right. Um, there was no company name. There was no license name um, or uh, license number. Uh, the back was empty. There were no so this shelves, whole no this whole picture is from the from the guy and the type of uniform he has to the van he was driving. This whole thing looks sketchy from the get go, right? Yeah, and I think the only reason I was picking up on these small things is because I worked for a plumbing company. Yeah, and I, you know, not most people know that you have to have your um, license number posted on like the side of the van and little things like that. Um, I told Dave, like, even like all of the plumbers have like, um, giant PVC pipes on top of their vans to hold pipe. Yeah. And he didn't even have that. So, and plumbers don't just have a hammer, like maybe a mallet, but a hammer. (laughs) What was going through your mind all this time when he's, uh, uh, knocking uh, at, at your door? Because what, what, what falls in place in my head immediately is kidnapping. Uh, human mm-hmm. trafficking. Um, at the time, I was just thinking home invasion, robbery. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I started telling people, and then um, he eventually left. And then I had a chance to think about it, and I was talking to Dave, and I'm like, you know, there was a fence in the back of, you know, all these little pieces are coming together. And that's when I started thinking like sex trafficking. Yeah. But again, you don't think that that's ever going to happen to you. Yeah. Nobody Um, ever does. Nobody ever does think of that. And I think I mentioned on the podcast that, you know, it's always a friend of a friend of a friend. Right. Right. Um, So you tend to think, you know, what are the chances of that? being the actual story or you know it's been told so many times and it's so far removed that you just it it almost seems like an urban legend like yeah you know the people that go out to their car and somebody's underneath the car yeah yeah um so but but it does i just thought you know he was going to rob you know wanted to rob us or whatever yeah I'm just trying to imagine what was going through your mind, what kind of, uh, you know, the level of fear that you that mm-hmm. you must have felt. Um, but but through all of this, you know, these these, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes while he's knocking at your door, did it ever were, were you ever thinking you should call the police? Dave told me to call the police and I was like, because you, call, you called said- him, you called him on the phone while this was happening, right? No, I was texting him. Texting. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's like, call the police. And I knew I should have, but I'm like, no, I don't want to be a bother. And what happens if he is legit and it just, you know, maybe he's just starting out. And Yeah. I, but, I mean, you know, looking back, he didn't go to any other house. Um, I would not have called another plumbing company. Yeah. You know, there's like all these little things that like, you know, you don't think of in the heat of the moment. And now thinking back to it, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't want to I don't want to make you feel bad or anything, but has it, have you thought about, you know, if this guy uh, was up to no good, which he probably was. 
uh, you know, whether it was a home invasion uh, or whether he had intentions of kidnapping you, uh, this guy was probably mm-hmm. up to some sort of, of criminal activity or criminal intent. Yeah. Um, do you do you find yourself, when you reflect on this incident, do you find yourself wishing that you had called the police to maybe stop this guy if he, mm-hmm. you know, was a routine practic- practitioner of kidnapping or crime <laughs> of some sort? I do. I feel yeah. guilty all the time. And I think about, you know, I I was smart and did not open the door, but what happens if somebody else opens the door? Right. And I, yeah, I ha- I think about it all the time. And it's, you know, I think about the story and I get goosebumps and then I almost sometimes just feel sick. Like I should yeah. have, I should have called, I should have called, but it, it's not I, I easy. Know. It's I, not I, easy I, having a case of the shoulda, woulda, couldas. <laughs> that's not, not yeah. that's not easy right. to deal with. Listen, we have to take a break right now. I need to play a little bit of music. When we come back, I want to mm-hmm. follow up on this. And I want to ask you, Dave, about the state of things in the Akron area, because this is a spooky occurrence here. And this is something that I never right. would have thought of a certain number of years ago. But it seems like these things are, are starting to be, unfortunately, rather common in the Akron area. So let's talk about that. Let's take a quick break and I'll play some music for you. This is Coming Home with John Allen. And here we are, Coming Home with John Allen. I'm continuing with with Dave and Liz. They are the voices and the faces of memoirs of a modern marriage. Uh, Dave, let me ask you, what what is Akron like uh, when it comes to crime? Uh, I've been hearing a lot about uh, the growth of the gang scene that, that uh, there's a lot of, especially on the West side of Akron. Oh yeah. Am I, am I right? Um, it's yeah, it's, it's a problem. And you know, you, you hear more and more every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, see myself, I actually, uh, I work in uh, retail and I see it firsthand a lot of times, even oh, wow. down to like theft. Okay. Even on the theft, I had three kids come in the other day and we work in an 18 plus shop, you know, so um, these kids come in and they're not 18 uh, at all, not yeah. even close. Yeah. So we asked them to leave and um, well, uh, I was in the back, I was doing some clerical work and my employee asked, asked them to leave Yeah. and uh, they wouldn't leave. So she turned around came to the back and like she was gonna say hey they won't leave and as soon as she started talking you just heard them steal like they stole and ran out (laughs) oh wow (laughs) what part of town what part of town is this store uh this is in kenmore in kenmore so it's uh yeah um so and kenmore it's got a bad rap it's getting better but it's got a bad rap um and the neighborhood's starting to come back, which I really appreciate, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the, uh, KNA does a really good job around here of kind of, you know, uh, bringing back like the old arts and everything to Kenmore. I don't know if you remember that from when you were a kid. Sure. Sure. Um, but, but, uh, there's places like what Copley road and yeah, there's certain places where, I mean, even when, cause I grew up here, he didn't where, you know, you just, you knew you, yeah. you didn't go through there. What what parts of town now door. are you? What what parts of town are a no go uh, neighborhood? <laughs> uh, still, 
uh, still Copley Road is one that, you know. <laughs> a lot of people um, just kind of steer clear of. And it seems like uh, the east side is really see, now I, I over around. See, now we lived in uh, Goodyear Heights. Uh, it, mm -hmm. I was in, it was the summer after second grade. Uh, so right before third grade. So I guess I was seven years old uh, when we moved from Goodyear Heights and out to Norton. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed, um, and this was maybe, this is in 2005, maybe. That was my first time going back to Goodyear Heights in over a decade. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad my parents moved away from here because it's, it was, yeah. it was a totally different image, totally different mm -hmm. vibe than it was when, you know, I'm this mm -hmm. five, six, seven year old kid growing up there. And that was in 2005. Uh, Arlington road definitely is like, <laughs> it's a hot zone. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to say like Kenmore is perfect. Uh, you know, we no, we're on it's... we're on Facebook like different like crime watch pages and yeah. there was just just a shootout uh the other what last week up yeah. in Kenmore it really was, somebody driving by wow. somebody just driving by was shot and I think she was killed yeah so oh, that kid wow. last year yeah that kid last year he was just minding his own business and somebody just shot at him and yeah. wrecked into a tree yeah wow yeah a couple blocks from us yeah oh that's crazy no, I remember Arlington Road. Arlington Road is, uh, it, it was a cesspool. You know, the, 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 the prostitutes walk in, you know, when the, once the sun went down. Uh, you could see the drug mm -hmm. deals happening uh, at all hours, day and night. Um, mm -hmm. But then when you drive past, uh, when you get out of uh, Akron and into Green Township, all of a sudden, it's... Uh, oh, it's yeah. a veritable paradise. <laughs> it's a different It kind world. of reminds me of... Um... Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit when they go into like Toontown and, and like yeah. the birds start chirping <laughs> and the rainbow comes out. <laughs> so, so is, is, is Akron spiraling downhill or is there hope? Now you say Ken, the Kenmore neighborhood is getting better, but, but what about mm -hmm. Akron in general? I believe there's hope. Yeah. Um, maybe that's just the optimist in me, you know? There's a lot of, I think instead of like focusing on Akron as a whole, there's a lot of neighborhoods that are working to uh. better their area. So like yeah. Kenmore, um, they have some, it's called the Kenmore Neighborhood Alliance. So they've done a lot to bring business back to Kenmore Boulevard. Uh, like once a month during the summer on Friday, the first Friday of every month, they have like a festival with bands and food trucks and you just Which, like by the way i've been trying to get on that <laughs> docket um <laughs> you know um in um highland square you know they've really worked to bring highland square back um and now they have like a huge concert in the summer called like porch rocker where you just um bands perform on people's porches and you just like wow no that is cool so, that is cool yeah <laughs> So I think instead of focusing on Akron as a whole, it's the people within the neighborhoods who are trying to bring okay. their area back. Because yeah. like I told Dave, it's, it's weird, like Akron is huge, but you don't say like I'm from Akron, you say I'm from Kenmore or uh, I'm from West Akron, yeah. Highland, you know, Square, Highland Square, you know, it's like the these little boroughs. So that's right. what people within the communities are working on to try and bring Akron back, but working at like that more local level. 
Yeah, interesting. Let me let me ask you. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Liz, I want to ask you uh, a little bit more about your. Uh, I almost said your brush with death, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, and and we're joking about it, but it was actually quite a serious uh, incident. You know, this guy following Mm -hmm. you home and banging on your door. I want to ask you a couple more questions about that. We'll jump on that after we play a couple of songs for you. This is coming home with John Allen. And we're back. This is coming home with John Allen. I'm talking with Dave and Liz. Um, Liz, would, if I were to hand you a card that says, uh, I have PTSD. Would you carry that card? Does that apply to you? I think sometimes. <laughs> um, only because, I, you know, I said now I do watch who's behind me. And if there's a car that's kind of been behind me, um, I'll drive past my house. I'll circle around the block just to make sure. Um, I, not so much now, but like when it first happened, I did. There were several times where I just wasn't sure. So I would kind of drive past and, yeah. you know, circle around. Um, and I, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say PTSD. I just a, a little bit more. At the least, at the least, that incident has changed. Uh, has uh, uh, led to you changing your routine. You know, you're 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 looking over your shoulder a little bit more. I mean that that's yeah, that's we that's quite a. I mean that's scary when to hear you tell yeah. uh, that story on on that podcast episode. And again, people check out mm. Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. Uh, it's the episode that was released on the 9th of May. Check it out and listen to listen to Liz tell her story. It's quite the traumatic occurrence. I mean that's not an everyday thing. Mm. And and no, and I think in the episode you can hear like my voice was kind of oh yeah i heard it i heard it for sure yeah 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 dave you know i don't want us to sound misogynistic but do you feel that there is a new level of uh protection that you should uh be giving your wife now after this thing you know how is this how has this episode affected you well um that we do want to protect our wives, even though they don't, they may not oh, necessarily yeah. need it because, uh, you know, these right. women are tough and, and independent, but we yeah. also have this thing where we want to protect them. So, and, and Liz is tougher than she thinks she is. Yeah. Um, I could definitely say that. Um, but I, so at the time that it happened, I was at work. Um, I was immobile at the time because I was working by myself. I couldn't leave to go home. And, you know, at least, up, you know, her husband's home, you know, like yeah. I couldn't do that. Right. Um, so, and we realized that there are some instances where that's going to happen. And the fear that was put into her and the fact that, you know, she didn't, she didn't call the police and things like that. I, I decided, um, cause we're not necessarily against owning weapons but at the time we didn't have a gun i see um and something like that you know i would rather have a gun and not need it sure than need a gun and not have it i can get i can get on board with that absolutely absolutely so um you know we had a talk about it um that night and i said you know i think it's time that we just go and we buy ourselves a firearm for the for the home yeah and um you know 
so that weekend we went out and we both bought our first firearms um you say first because huh? you say first because now we have a couple yeah now we have a couple <laughs> but one for home protection one for one for every day yeah but um you know and i advocate not for owning a weapon but protecting yourself mm-hmm. you know yeah um because there's not always that situation where you have time to call 911 that's right you know that's right and and like like i said i i, I would rather not use my gun mm-hmm. you know um i'm not like gung ho about you know just shooting somebody i yeah. don't want to do that no. no you know i think i but i think having that that bit of protection behind you it gives you a little bit more confidence in that sure. if something does happen sure you are prepared sure so we also went out and became responsible gun owners and we also got training uh got our uh concealed handgun license um you know things like that you bought me a taser for christmas i did i bought her a taser because oh, merry christmas go shock somebody <laughs> <laughs> right you know sometimes you have to fight to get to your gun that's part of the training sure. that we had sure. you know and there's there's actually uh more of a more often than not that you would have to fight to get to your gun mm-hmm. than you know so uh, that would be the advantage that she could have that's interesting so that is a part of the uh gun ownership training yes yeah. That is interesting, you know, because I've been gone for a long time. I've uh, it's it's twenty years since I lived in the states, so I've kind of, you know, I follow what's happening in the news, but I don't know details about the type of uh, training that people get when they buy a gun. Um, it's very interesting because here in Norway, people have this um, people have this image that you can just walk into a children's toy store and you can get a gun if you want. Uh, for my, for my Norwegian listeners and viewers, can you talk a little bit more in detail about the type of training that you have to have, uh, by law in order to own a weapon in in Ohio? Well, first of all, to buy a gun, you have to have a background check. They do a background check right then and there. And it's a, it's a federal background check. It's a federal, yeah. It's not like an Ohio thing. Right. And how long does that background check take roughly? Um, so at, when you're buying a firearm for the first time or even the second time or third time, if you don't have a CHL or a CCW for those who are more familiar with it, concealed carry, um, uh, permit. Yeah. Um, for those who are buying a weapon without, um, they do a background check and it takes, it depends on you, the person themselves. It could take 20 minutes. Ah. It could take two weeks. Interesting, you know, okay. but with us, it didn't take much time. No, we're um, squeaky clean. <laughs> yeah, we're we're squeaky clean people, you know. But like, you know, if you have like misdemeanors or stuff mm-hmm. like that, they file through all of that stuff. They see if mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, domestic violence, yes. or you know, if yeah. it's, you know, certain things like that will bar you from getting a gun. If you're mm-hmm. if you have a history, even even if it's been expunged, mm-hmm. um, if you have a history of violent behavior they will not sell you a firearm um you can't just walk in anywhere and like here's my money give me a gun yeah. you know because again <laughs> again a lot of people have a misconstrued or a, a 
uh, I don't know, the, the, the sensationalist idea of what it's like to get a gun in America. Uh, so I'm glad you guys are talking about this so that my Norwegian viewers and listeners get a real mm -hmm. view of, of what it's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were talking and, about uh, um, you were talking about how um, more often than not you're going to have to fight to get your gun, and that is true. We learned that you know uh, I have a police background, as you know, and we we talked a lot about that uh, during our training. Uh, what kind of training do you get to prepare you for uh, these times if you're in a little uh, wrestling match with somebody and you need to get to your gun? So. Um to get your CCW in Ohio uh, currently, it takes eight hours of class time, classroom time, and, and two, two hours of range time. Do you think that's and enough? Really? No, I don't. No. And um, I believe that if you are going to be a responsible uh, gun owner, I believe that you should continuously train. Do you continuously. think people are doing that, though? Do you think they're taking those extra steps on their own time and on their own dollar? To train themselves not everybody yeah not everybody and um it's it's sad because people get complacent yeah you know sure they think that they're they're the best yeah and that you know they own a gun and that's it and they get that cowboy syndrome they get that cowboy right. syndrome <laughs> uh, part of our ccw class um we watched videos and i was not prepared for videos um of people accidentally shooting themselves oh and these videos by the way can be found on youtube yeah um one of them was a dea agent um one of them was uh, somebody who was in training a ccw class it was an instructor ah, um i saw that it was it a black was, guy wasn't it yeah there's a black guy who was uh, yeah i've seen that yeah um and yeah, then says, i'm the only one responsible enough to have yeah, this weapon and, and then he shoots himself in the and leg. then shoots himself in the <laughs> leg yeah oh <laughs> yeah oh the one the so, wonders I of mean, youtube <laughs> <laughs> um you know and the their whole point was like don't get complacent because yeah. the minute you do that's when the accidents happen because you wouldn't think like a dea agent would get complacent and shoot right, himself right. or somebody who's train like teaching a ccw class those well, are the yeah. last people you would expect and the thing is the thing is being a teacher is great but even teachers need to train their skills and unfortunately there's a lot of people out there see i'm i have no problem with good citizens owning weapons uh but i wish that there was some sort of government regulation that made it mandatory for much more training and Freak, they should have a frequency of that training. You know, every two years you should go mm -hmm. back and, and re-qualify or something uh, to that effect. Now, right. I know that some people on the far right, and I know that some people who are, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, gun advocates no matter what, I know that they're not going to like that. But in the interest of keeping people safe and in the interest of keeping people's skills uh, you know, at a top level so that if they have to protect themselves or someone else, they can do it properly. In that interest, I would think that more people would be for more stringent requirements for training. Mm -hmm. I would think. I agree 100%. I would think. Well, um, Ohio, they just adopted the CCW in er the early like, 2000s. Yeah. And it used to be you had to have 12 hours of training. 
and now it's down to eight. So, and and even back then, people thought twelve hours wasn't enough time. Yeah, and more recently, um, our governor uh, Dewine had recently uh, signed in the constitutional carry, um, which goes into effect June twelfth, and. To me, that's a little scary. Yeah. You know, I I think it's a lot scary (laughs) because, again, you're going to get a lot of yahoos out there who 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 have no training. And that's not good for anyone. It's not even good for them themselves uh, to have a weapon if they have no training. They're just asking for problems. They're asking to get hurt. Um, They're asking for people who are not stable mentally uh, to be walking around with Mm -hmm. guns. That's not good for anybody. Yeah, people have this idea that we're a stand-your-ground state. We're not. We're not a stand-your-ground state. We're a, to- a castle doctrine state. So, it, you know, they're going to pull their weapon out anytime somebody gives them, you know, the answer they don't want to know yeah. <laughs> or they yeah. don't want to hear, you know. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, even going into our CCW class, we thought that we were a stand-your-ground state. Yeah. And the instructor's like, oh, no, we are a castle doctrine. So you don't have the right to defend stuff <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah. you can't you can't protect your property you can only protect your life yeah and i, I you know what thinking about it i agree with that mm-hmm. i agree with that 100 percent. yeah i've worked for my stuff but i can work for it again mm-hmm. I see i would stuff. yeah that's no problem yeah you know if someone is stealing your stuff uh is, does that put your life or someone else's life in danger? The answer to that is Absolutely no, it not. doesn't. And yeah, so I mean, there, there it is, right there. There should be no further discussion mm-hmm. about that. But, but again, you get some people who get this cowboys, cowboys. I call it cowboy syndrome, to where they right. think mm-hmm. a gun uh, is the tool that should be brought out in just about any situation. Period. I don't know. It's, yeah, a, little, it's I mean, a little crazy. It's... And it kind of, you know, and the way this, this issue has developed, and we have to take a break here in a minute, but I just want to say the way this issue about gun ownership has developed over the last few years, um, I talk about this all the time. For the most part, uh, uh, I... I you know, following uh, what's happening back home in the States, I, I, I still love my country. I still love my little hometown, Norton, Ohio. I still love all the people there. But at the same time, I'm wondering if I'm homesick for something that doesn't exist anymore because things have changed and it's just, it's a, it's a new mentality there. And progress is great, uh, but change that is not progress is not great. I don't know. Perspective, you know, being so far away and looking at the way things have changed back home, I guess I have a different perspective than most uh, uh, residents of Ohio have. But um, well, you know, you do live in a place that's all sunshine and fairy tales. <laughs> uh, not, not, yeah, yeah, for the most part. But there's, you know, Norway has its issues as well. It's, it's, it's not perfect here. It is wonderful here, but it's not perfect. But you know, it's wonderful back home as well. But it's not perfect. Right. So, listen, let me play some more music for these wonderful listeners. Uh, This is Coming Home with John Allen. Remember, if you are watching or listening to this on a podcast platform, uh, look in the description. You'll find some links where you can support the work I do. And remember to share and subscribe. I thank you in advance for that. This is Coming Home with John Allen. And thank you all for sticking around for this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen. I'm sitting here talking with Dave and Liz. Uh, They are residents of Akron, Ohio. I grew up in Norton, but I was born in Akron. 
Um, before the music came on, I was telling you guys that uh, I wonder if I'm homesick for a place that doesn't exist anymore because things have changed so much. Can I ask you guys, what is the situation in the Akron area when it comes to race? And specifically, I'm talking between black people and white people. What do you guys see? What do you guys observe? What have you guys experienced? Let's talk about that. So on a personal level, um, I see, and this is closer to like the Barberton area. Barbertucky. People have adopted, yeah. Uh, a lot of people, especially white people, have adopted, um, we'll say, old Southern tradition. Well, let me let me just butt in here for a minute. Now, I'm not so sure about how it is now, but when I was a kid uh, in Norton, uh, there is a high percentage, I can't come with any numbers, but there is a high percentage of fellow students there who had parents who had moved there from West Virginia, Virginia, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's yeah. that hillbilly element. And I say hillbilly, uh, with love because I'm the son of hillbillies myself. My grandparents yeah, came from yeah. Kentucky and Tennessee. So, but, um, I wonder if that has anything to do with the it could possibly. I mean, um, there's there's a couple of trucks, and you you see them. It's the same ones that have like the giant Confederate flags yeah. on the back. Yeah. Um, you know, when it, a Confederate flag and then an American flag. Yeah. And uh, I think I've <laughs> seen a lot more of that when the orange president was in. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, I think that uh, because I, I've been home only once since he was president, but the change in the number of Confederate flags was significantly higher. I yeah. think people's true selves came out. Yeah, sure. You sure. know, and um, like I myself, you know, I I've grown up around you know, poverty, minorities, you know, so it's never really been an issue for me. I've always made friends with everybody, Yeah. you know, but to, to, to see people, especially people from like Ohio, one of the most northernest states in the, in the country, yeah, <laughs> yeah. who's, and a lot of these people have never been below the Mason Dixon line talking about the South will rise again, right, you know, right. Uh, it 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 kind of like makes me chuckle like they, these people make me look bad <laughs> you know like yeah. yeah and and uh in 2020 you know um that was when george floyd had you know yeah. had and then we had the protests and it was it felt weird like just it almost felt like the old jim crow days yeah I mean, how, how so? We put, were, put, put a put a description on that. How so? I just everybody was just so separated. Yeah, and it was know? like a us versus them, and there were a couple um, murders here in Akron. Who you know, it was, it was straight up race related. It, they, yeah, you know, um, and. I I just feel like you know we're we're going backwards. We're having like conversations that we had to have, you know, in the 50s and 60s yeah. about, 
you know, desegregation. And, um, you know, there's different Facebook groups that, um, that are like local news and reading through the comments, I'm like, I cannot believe the things people are saying. And it, it's just, it's again, disgusting. I, again, I think it's, you know, kind of like what you said, Dave, uh, people, were no longer afraid to show their true selves uh, at a certain point when a certain person was president. And uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately that guy made a lot of bigots and racists feel brave. He normalized that yeah. to a large degree. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately people started showing that part of themselves. But along those lines then, do you think that there were uh, you know, there, more racism was created or do you think it's just those people showing their true selves and it's not an actual higher number of people with, with a racist ideology in the Akron area? I so I think it's the same as it ever was. Yeah. It's uh, just people. It's just people think came so, out yeah. more vocal you know, about it. Came, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, during the 2016 presidential election, we stepped away from Facebook because you started seeing people's true colors. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, it's it was and disheartening that people that I grew up with or that I had known for a long time, things that they were saying. And, oh, yeah. I, yeah. It, and so kind of put this in perspective a little bit. It's weird to me, and especially especially even now um, with everybody just kind of like coming out of their shell um, just as a society. Um, yeah. We had an episode about this last night that'll come out in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, all of these people are, are starting to learn themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, the LGBTQ community and all this stuff. I mean, they're, they're trying to normalize everything yeah. about their community. I think the same can be said about some of these old, old people, um, these old white people in our neighborhood. I was in the grocery store the other day and I stopped and I listened to this woman and she was probably, I don't know, late fifties, early sixties. Mm -hmm. And she had what I can only assume was her granddaughter with her. And we were, it was right when you walked into the entrance of the grocery store and I heard this woman tell her grandchild, she said, there's not an effing cart in this store because these kids get around and they play, they play in them and you don't want to be like that. The managers are too afraid to say anything to these kids. Ready for it? because they're afraid they're going to be called racist. That is very interesting. It's disgusting is what it is it's, because she's planting a seed in this child. I was just going to say she's she's uh taking part in bringing up another generation of yeah, a twisted mindset when it comes to race and equality. She never said she never said anything about a black kid, a white kid, a, you know, a Mexican kid. She only said, and there was that last statement she yep. said, because they're afraid they're going to be called racist. Wow. And, and I looked and I said, that's disgusting. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, um, something's, and this happened years ago in Barberton, of course. Good old <laughs> Barbara Tucky. 
I've gotten, I, I've had the opportunity gonna... to say Barbara Tucky three times in one episode. I love it. <laughs> I was at a store and it was around Easter and this, uh, little kid picked up, um, it was a statue of Jesus. And he said, is this Jesus? And the mom was like, no, our Jesus is white. And I'm like, first of all, let me show you a map of the world. Yeah. Step <laughs> one, <was> from. geography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's always been here. It's, and people have had that mindset. And I think it's just now like seen as like, oh, it's okay. You know, we can, we can be racist and proud to be racist. And, but this here, here's something I want to, I want to say, um, I was just talking with my wife about this good old Snoopy. I was talking to her about this because this also happens here in Norway where people, um, uh, white people will say, um, uh, they, they, you know, they, they'll, they'll refrain from saying or doing something because they don't want to be called racist. And they'll say that they'll put those words on it because I don't want to be called racist. Now, I would think that if a person is not racist and if they're confident in their own skin, if I can use that word, if they're confident in their own skin, when it comes to all things, race, all things, social, uh, you know, that, that, that dynamic, that social dynamic out there, why would they uh, feel that they have to crimp or um, change their behavior with this, you know, this unseen stamp of racism hanging above them? What's that all about? I think it has more to do with the stigma um, of everything in the world right now. Um even going back to say the white van story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to touch on that. The kid was African-American. Okay. And it did cross Liz's mind. Uh, I, part of the reason I think I was afraid to call the police was because if he was legit, what would happen to him? You know, if yeah. I would call and say, Hey, this guy followed me home. He's in an unmarked van. And that's I'm scared. very interesting. Yeah. What happens if he was legit and right, right. what happened to him? And it's it's kind of like a when you look at it in perspective of that, it's not necessarily, you know, a racist thought to think that way. It's more of a protective thought. I don't know. Well, no, no, I don't see race. Bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, see I don't see racism in that at all. I see uh, at times an unnecessary fear. But but now but you, Liz, you touched on something that is quite relevant. You know, we know we've seen it in the news, especially the last, you know, mm -hmm. five to 10 years uh, that the police have a tendency in way too many municipalities to overreact in their policing if the subject is a black person, especially a black man. So yeah. you have that in the back of your mind that you didn't want to call the police for no reason. Reason, and I'm probably I'm going to mm -hmm. assume that you were thinking that because you are aware of this mm -hmm. this propensity for over policing of black people. Am I right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. that is yeah. a beautiful thought. Now that is the type of uh, white ally that we need. People who are aware of that. But so so so. I guess thank you for for thinking that, but mm -hmm. on the other side, there's this extreme fear 
uh, that some white people have of being called racist. You know, uh, I've seen it where a black person here in Norway, uh, maybe an African immigrant, because believe me, there aren't many black Americans here, uh, uh, but a, an African immigrant uh, maybe here in Norway who's being an asshole uh, to a to a ethnic Norwegian, a white person, and that Norwegian will take a whole lot of crap from that African because they don't want to be called racist. And that's where I think there's something is wrong with the balance within those two reactions. You know, the reaction to, to not call the police unnecessarily because you don't want a black person to be harmed. And this other reaction where you put up with a lot of bullshit because you don't want to be called racist if the other person is black. You see what I'm saying? Right. There's a there's something yeah, missing I, in the balance. I believe that people should be treated as people. Amen. You respect me, I respect you. Amen. You know, and this this separation of race, you know, I, I think it's kind of drilled in our heads by media. I think it's drilled in our heads by politicians. Um, it's 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 again the same as it ever was. I sure. think it's because they want to keep you separated because if you come together, then you can actually have real change done. Yeah, think about that. Scientifically, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I, I think it's, it's it's quite the deliberate uh, troublemaking that uh, that politicians engage in uh, when it comes to race. They want us. Mm -hmm fighting each other. They don't want us having conversations like this. They don't want us discussing the problems within race. They don't want us discussing the beautiful things, the beauty that can be found in, uh, in you know, the commonality that can be found uh, in, in different races in America. They don't want us even touching the subject one way or the other because it doesn't serve their purposes as a politician. It's, it's smoke and mirrors. If yes. you're focusing yes. on, on us us versus them, then you're not paying attention to the way the government's being run and, you yeah. know, yeah. the the fact that, you know, if we came together, we could actually change. We'd be a, we'd be a force to be recognized. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, is it's so easy for us to come together because people are people. Uh, and I wonder if mm -hmm. communication has a lot to do with it. You know, uh, segregation was not wiped away uh, with the civil rights movement. You know, I lived in the Chicago area. Uh, good God, what a segregated city. And the suburbs are extremely segregated. And when there's that kind of segregation, that means that there's no dialogue between people who have differences. Uh, because then you find out when you have dialogue that those differences are meaningless. You know, the skin color is meaningless when you have a dialogue with people. So... I, I think that's what needs to be done. We need to have more conversations like, like I'm having with, with the two of you. Uh, people need to be right. neighbors with someone who's a little bit different. Um, I need to take one more break. Uh, I want to take the last segment of this beautiful conversation. I want to talk about music. Oh, I, th I thought you'd say no. I thought you ha uh, you hate music. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's the worst thing ever. <laughs> worst hey, thing ever. We're going to talk about how we hate music when we come back. This is Coming Home with John Allen. And we're back now. This is Coming Home with John Allen. I am talking with Dave and Liz. Uh, I want to say to you guys, thank you so much for having this conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I think I'm suffering a little bit less from homesickness. So I thank you both for that. <laughs> Listen, hey, no problem. No problem. I want to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart as it is yours, Dave. Let's talk about music. 
What's the name of your project? Hey. What's the name of your project? You have a very interesting thing going on with collaborations. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, the name of my project is called Past Euphoria. Past uh, Euphoria. E-S-S-E-D. Yeah. Um, so it started back in 2020 when the pandemic hit. Um, I collaborated with people from home, yeah. you know? So we would send files back and forth. And finally, when things kind of loosened up a little bit, I got a violinist and a guitar player, or a bass guitar player in yeah. with me. And that eventually just kind of turned into a, a solid, you know, band. But the uh, original idea was collaboration. And um, I still collaborate with people. Like, you know, um, there's a gentleman that I sang a song with where he just played piano and I did the vocal. I don't sing too well, but he, <laughs> he seemed to like it. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it is what it is. <laughs> so, what uh, what got you what got you interested in music, and when did you start performing? I actually started playing music when I was 13 years old. But as every little boy, when uh, you know, I was like, you know, five, six years old, I always wanted to play drums. Yeah, you know, because you hit stuff. You know, yeah. Animal from the Muppets was like the coolest. Muppet. Yeah, <laughs> Animal was the best during the Muppets. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, um, yeah, that's really what it boiled down to was just, and then, uh, performing, I actually started in a punk band back in, uh, the early two thousands. Okay. Um, yeah. And, um, we had, um, we, we had done a, a tour up the East coast, you know, and it started from Myrtle beach all the way up to New York and back down. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Um, and eventually I just kind of gave up music for about, I don't know, maybe a decade. And then one day I just decided I wanted to play music again. And Liz over here has supported my, my, uh, my, you know, desire to get back and play, you know, that kind of music. And, um, but I've toned my, my music, uh, my musical, uh, outlet down quite a bit than punk rock i mean okay when you're yeah. a kid kids want to play sure, punk rock yeah. now now we play more like uh independent or blues or yeah. you know classic rock stuff like that what you would know? you say but, are your top two influences musically uh well believe it or not a lot of grunge from the from the 90s namely nirvana and like the meat puppets and yeah you know stuff like that uh, that's a big one for me. Um, I also kind of pull a lot from like 1960s music, Beatles being one of them. Um, I mean, who doesn't like the Beatles, right? Um, I almost raised my hand. Uh, I, I, I almost raised my hand. I, I, I respect the Beatles. I know the, I'm aware of the influence they've had on music and they do have some beautiful songs, but I don't get, all the hype. I'm sorry. I just don't get it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. In fact, in the 60s, they weren't as popular as they are now. That's true. That's you very know? true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm more of like the late Beatles, like late 60s. There going you go. Towards their, there you yeah, go. That's when they really, yeah. really yep. unlock their potential. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Those last <laughs> couple of albums. Those last couple of albums yeah. I can sit and listen to. That I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like the I want to hold your hand. That's not my bag. No, no. <laughs> so I'd I'd like for you to play for me. Um, what are you gonna do? Uh, so this is an original. It's called Time to Pass. Um, it was written 
uh, by Liz and myself on Easter of 2020. Okay. And um, we sat in a room for 10 hours. I had already written the music, and we just sat there and thought about. And this song is about um, basically an inner struggle to change. Okay. okay? I like it already. Um, and it's, a, it's about an inner struggle to change and the negative results that it could potentially have. Okay. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty neat little story. So um, I'll go ahead and start it off here. Here we sit almost side by side. Jerry lights a cigarette. His eyes got really wide and he said, who are you? ain't who you used to be said i am who i've always been but what's it gotten me he said lost it all lost your mind lost within your livelihood how could it be so blind wait and see the chickens coming home to roost i've lived in my transgressions my town's gone unused but away for that time to pass The day has come That I left all my sins in the past Then staring at the fire He cleared his throat and spat it out You lost your desire If it weren't for you Chuck would still be here with us Betrayed his trust and got him down Shut him in between the eyes Done it all Every job With clean and flawless getaways Now it's me you gotta rob Wait and see The chickens coming home to roost I've turned my gun on Jerry I'm mentally recused But away for that time to pass The day will come That I'm leaving my sins in the past I'd like to live A life of lies, trust and danger I lived a life full of sin Took the money I don't want to look over my shoulder, my new life will begin. If they live, die, might as well already be dead. They put me down without a second thought. Here I walk down this dusty road. The blood's been cleaned from off my hands, but weighs upon my soul. Who am I? I ain't who I used to be. A thieving fucking murderer is what the label me. Carry on. It's my time. The guilt weighs on me heavily. Can't get them off my mind. I've seen the chickens came home to me. When I found my only hope, they leave me swinging from this tree and away 
for that time to pass. The day has come that I left all my sins in the past. And away for that time to pass. Day has come that I left all my sins in the past. Bravo, bravo. Grazie, grazie. <laughs> grazie, grazie. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you so much. No problem. Let me take I, a. I hope. Yeah. I hope that that brings the ratings up on your show. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you tell my viewers and my listeners where they can find you again? The name of your podcast is? Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. You can find that on Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher. You can even go to our Buzzsprout site. Check it out there. Um, and there is a, uh, a Memoirs of a Ma Ma uh, Modern Marriage Facebook page as well that you can listen to our podcast on. We have a Patreon. Um, we have three different tiers. Um, the... Uh, our uh, middle and top supporters can get merchandise every three months from us. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you can find us on all of that. Um, the music you can find on all streaming platforms. Okay. Um, nice. And that's past euphoria and that's P A S S E D euphoria. Past euphoria. Um, yes, sir. And yeah. Yeah, listen, man. I uh, I want to thank you both for uh, for coming on my program. Uh, it has really been a joy to me, and I look forward to meeting you guys face to face. I uh, <laughs> can't remember. That. I can't we remember the last time I've been in Kenmore, but uh, now I have a reason. <laughs> Absolutely, and I have a nice little studio here. We could play some music. Absolutely, It'd man. Be dope. <laughs> Absolutely, love I love it. Yeah, listen, thanks. Uh, you guys stick around. I want to talk to you after uh, I sign off here. Uh, those of you listening and watching, uh, thank you again for being here for this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. Check the description of the episode if you're on a podcast platform or YouTube. Uh, that's where you can get information on how you can contribute to help me continue doing the type of work that I do. I love you guys. Be well. Bye now. <laughs>